Oh, there we go. Get turned on. Works a little better. Why don't you bow your heads with me and we'll pray as we uh, continue with our service. Father in heaven, just want to uh, pause here and ask that you would continue to guide us. <clears throat> Thank you for our time together as we studied the Bible in our classes. Thank you for uh, the music and the kids' story and as we just continue through the service, I just pray that you would continue to pour out your blessings uh, for we are hungry and we're tired and the week has been long and another one awaits us. And nestled here right in the middle is this thing we call the Sabbath where we're supposed to <coughs> rest in you. It's our prayer that you would recharge us and continue to give us that rest that we seek. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, is where we'll begin. As we continue through our year of looking at the foundation Romans 4, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes, What shall we say then about Abraham, our father, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. <coughs> Over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah. They were real people with real lives. They had real struggles, but they really loved the Lord, and they had real faith. Their experience was a bit like a roller coaster. It's my hope and my desires in the next few weeks that as we look at Abraham and Sarah, it would actually encourage us that there's hope. It would encourage us as we look at their lives. <coughs> their lives, as I said, were a bit up and down. But knowing ahead of time, God knew that their journey would be, uh, it's not a very theological word, it's not a very churchy wor word, but their life was a bit messy when you actually look closely at their life. Sometimes it's uh, people think that, well, there's just a lot of, amazing righteous people in the Bible, but it's kind of um, interesting how God does what He does. God doesn't usually pick the best at anything. God usually picks the opposite so that when He's all said and done, nobody's confused whether it's that person or it's God. And as we review the life of Abraham and Sarah, I think we will end up concluding the same thing. He didn't pick them because they were consistent or they were amazing. 
He picked them because they were quite the opposite often. Some ways they look like us and sometimes their life looks worse than ours. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit <clears throat> still knowing the future, knowing the future, the Holy Spirit inspired several, not one, but several Bible authors to say in God's inspired word that they believed God. In Romans 4, the Apostle Paul even goes as far as to say that Abraham didn't waver. And as we continue to look closely at their life, to me, it gives me a lot of courage that if God in His inspired Bible writes about Abraham and Sarah's life with those words, it's encouraging. Because as <clears throat> the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul, he writes that <clears throat> Abraham believed God and therefore it was credited to him as righteousness. The Bible is full of people like that. We could go to chapter 11 in Hebrews and you'd find lots of people like that. Some of the people in that list there in Hebrews 11 that are described as people of faith, you'd bump into a, a group of very unique individuals. Sometimes in church or in a little kid story or Sabbath school, we tell the good stories and, <clears throat> oh, and, and David, he conquered, you know, the giant and this fun story and, boy, and, and Samson, he had all that strength because of God and we, we, we share those, those, those really good stories. And, 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 but the Bible's full of other stories, too. <laughs> and uh, God inspired <coughs> um, them to be put in the Scriptures. God could have picked any family. God could have picked any person. But God picks unique people. You could say, oh, pastor, but Samson and David, they, had, they were passionate about God. They, they did, but if you, you know, turn a few pages over, they had, how could we put it, they had other passions. They had other passions that weren't so godly. And knowing all that ahead of time, God still chose them. And not only did he choose them, he put them in the Scripture, he put them in Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> and in Holy Spirit-inspired author said, Matt, these were people of faith. Abraham and Sarah and Samson and David, and the list goes on and on of people who were like us, and sometimes worse. Their experience was very unique. <clears throat> Sometimes our life isn't like that. 1 Samuel 16, 7, <clears throat> God does something unique. He says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, <clears throat> God says, I don't look at the outside. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. God looks in here. Sometimes we do the opposite. Sometimes we do like a little boy I, I heard recently who's all grown up now. His name is George. George was taught to look at the outside, not the inside. <clears throat> George was a churchgoer as a little kid. He was in the fifth grade, and he was taught to look at the outside. 
Sometimes we teach it intentionally. Sometimes we teach it subconsciously. He learned it in church. And George was taught to look at the outside. And that if things are going well and looking good on the outside, then God will help you. God will hear you. God will accept you. And God will bless you. God will forgive you. But um, because George was taught to look on the outside, in George's little fifth grade life, he'd made some fifth grade mistakes. And he was feeling really bad about that. And he was feeling guilty about that. And um, so he, in his little fifth grade mind, he came up with a plan. So God knew that little George was serious. So God would know that it would be okay to help little George. And so in, in George's little fifth grade mind, he got this idea. <clears throat> he put rocks in his shoes. And when he woke up in the morning, he would jump off his bed. And when he got home from school, he'd jump off his bed with rocks in his shoes. Because he thought that would be a good way in his little fifth grade mind. <laughs> that would be a good way to, to show God that he was serious and that God should help him. And uh, it wasn't until years late. Well, he did this for several months. And obviously, he eventually quit. But uh, it wasn't until years later as an adult. Later, he, uh, he ended up going to Hollywood. His name's George Clooney. Some of you probably watched some of his movies. And uh, as an adult, reflecting back, George Clooney said, you know, well, it, the only thing that happened is that it hurt my feet. And he ended up quitting because he just en ended up giving up because his little version wasn't working. <clears throat> Jesus puts it this way. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, John chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 28 and 29 John 6, 28 and 29, there's a group that came up to a Jesus, a very religious group like us, <clears throat> very religious group, and they come up to Jesus and they said, well, just level with us. We know we need to be doing some work. What is that work we should be doing? And Jesus, in verse 29, answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Danielle, could you go out to the foyer and get me some water? My, my throat is <clears throat> giving me some issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus said clearly to that group of religious people a few thousand years ago approximately that the work is to believe. The work is to believe. Sometimes we're tempted to want to do other stuff other than believe. But whether we're little kids or we're big kids, <clears throat> our part isn't to hurt ourselves. Our part is to believe. Believing God is enough. <clears throat> if you like a hard challenge, <clears throat> as you believe, you start to realize believing is hard enough. Belief is one of those unique things. It is so easy and so complicated at the same time. Believing God is just, <clears throat> it's easy. But life is so complex, so sometimes believing is just, 
the hardest thing we'll ever have to do is both. The life of Abraham and Sarah remind us of that. And also, you know, when we try to focus on behavior, ours or someone else's, it can be discouraging because by beholding you become changed and we focus on our behavior or someone else's, it can be discouraging, even if it's really good behavior. Listen to this. This is a quote from one of this denomination's church leaders from well over 100 years ago. A quote from someone well over 100 years ago. A church leader, quote here, um, and you can follow on the screen if you like. The author writes, I had, many, or I had read many religious biographies of children who had possessed numerous virtues and lived faultless lives. I had great admiration for their perfection, but they didn't encourage me in my efforts to become a Christian. These books were stumbling blocks to my feet. I failed to attain the perfection of their characters. It sounded like they lived as saints and were free from all doubt sin, and weakness under which I staggered. I repeated to myself again and again, if this is true, I can never be a Christian. I can never hope to be like them. It drove me to discouragement and almost to despair. But when I learned I could come to Jesus just as I was, that the Savior had come to ransom unworthy sinners like me. Then light broke upon my darkness, and I could claim the promises of God. Well over a hundred years ago, as a young person, this was Ellen White's experience. She was discouraged because she was spending too much time looking at the result of Christianity instead of looking at Christ himself. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and following, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, and these verses are hard to hear, uh, Romans 4, 19 through 22. Without becoming weak in faith, now this is Romans 4, This this is inspired by the Holy Spirit here. Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, because she was 90. Yet with respect to the promise of God, Abraham did not waver in unbelief. Let me read this again. Abraham did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform it. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. That is quite the statement knowing the life of Abraham and Sarah. Because Abraham and Sarah, their life was unique. In some ways, it was quite like ours. In some ways, it would be like a modern soap opera. And so we're going to take a few minutes here. We're going to go on a journey 
And we're going to look at their life because specifically in Scripture, God gave Abraham four promises. These four promises spanned over 25 years. And we're going to take a look as we go through these and read these. Think in your own mind how, how their life, because the Scriptures say that they believed. And so we're going to see if, if, if their belief matches up with your definition of what it looks like to believe. <laughs> and since we can't rewrite the Bible, since it's God's Word and it's sealed and it's set, if something doesn't match up, maybe then we need to change our thinking of belief because we, we, we can't change this. Uh, but, it, but it is unique. So let's turn with me back to Genesis in your Bible or smartphone or tablet. Genesis chapter 12, and we'll look at the first promise. We're just going to do a little bit more reading than usual, but that's good. It's good to get into the Bible. So Genesis 12, and we're going to start reading the first of four promises. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Genesis 12, <coughs> 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. <clears throat> and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old, and Sarah was 65, when they departed from Haran. So, so far so good. God says, hey, I want to you know, do great stuff in your life. Everybody likes the sounds of that. And Abraham heard that, and they obeyed, and they moved. <clears throat> and as you continue to read, basically you'd see, oh, Abraham tells somebody his wife is his sister. So I don't know how many of you spouses would think, well, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's, a hot, that's how I want to be introduced at the next business party. That's my sister. <laughs> and that's our kids. <clears throat> and so that's, uh, that's Abraham. So if you'll turn over uh, to Genesis 13, Genesis 13, this is promise number two. Genesis 13, this is a few years later because <clears throat> God's apparently on a different time schedule than we are. This is a few years later. Genesis 13, 16. <coughs> Genesis 13, 16, God says to Abram, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can be also numbered. So God is still here being a little vague and uh, <clears throat> saying awesome stuff, but it's a little vague to Abraham. And although Abraham um, thought, uh, you know, was hearing God, after he heard this, Abraham thought, certainly he's referring to Eliezer, my right-hand man, my servant. This is what Abraham thought. He's referring to my number one servant. <clears throat> Then 11, yes, 11 years later, 11 years later, Abraham is now 86, Sarah is now 76, 
uh, you can have that visual in your mind. If you have parents, grandparents, any, you know, you yourself, if you know somebody, Abraham is uh, 86, Sarah is 76. Now this is promise number three. Promise number three, we're in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, uh, 1 through 6. After some things happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. So see, he's still thinking, this is the, I hear you, God. I believe you. I believe, if you say it, I believe you. And so this guy, my right-hand man, he's going to be this one that's going to, great things are going to happen through him. This is what he still thought. Verse 4, then behold, after all these years, I'm putting that in there, but this is the reality. After all those years, the word of the Lord came to Abraham saying, This man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body. It's the first time he told him that. He's now 86. First time he told him that. The heir will come forth from your body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them, so shall be your descendants. Then Abraham believed in the Lord. And, he, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. <clears throat> and shortly afterward, chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has the, the quite, I mean, wow, quite the words here. The Lord himself has prevented me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife, Sarai. It was her idea. Sarah um, gave her servant to Abraham, thinking, literally thinking, this is what God wanted her and them to do. This is what she thought. This is what God wanted. So, 25 years later, after the original promise, after the original promise, 25 years later, Abraham's now 100, Sarah's now 90. Promise number four comes along. Uh, Genesis 17, Genesis 17, verse 15 through 18. <clears throat> God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Took till he was a hundred to hear this. I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations a mother of nations. Kings will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face. He fell on his face and said in his heart, well, right, oh, I oop, missed that part. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He fell on his face and laughed. God is there. 
He falls on his face and he laughs and he says in his heart, in his mind, will a child be born of a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham then said to God, oh, that, that Ishmael might live before you. In chapter 17, <coughs> Abraham laughs at God. If you keep going, in chapter 18, Sarah laughs at God. If you go to chapter 20, not only in the past, but in chapter 20, once again, at, you know, Abraham's in one of those power moments, and there's a power couple, and Abraham says again, that's my sister. Again. And yet Romans and Hebrews in Genesis 15, 6, the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes knowing the past, the present, and the future. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit inspires several Bible authors to say <clears throat> that Abraham believed. In Romans, Paul even doubles down on it. Says, Man, he, didn't even, he didn't even waver. He believed. How's your faith? Are you looking at God? Or did you look at some messy, sloppy thing that happened on Thursday? When we look at ourselves like Ellen White did when she was young, when she looked at other people, we think, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if my faith is as strong as Abraham and Sarah's. Really? Their faith was just kind of like, eh. <laughs> you can do it, God, but I mean, I uh... Abraham and Sarah, I don't even know what to call it these days because um, we're, we're all sensitive, but um, Abraham and Sarah weren't in kindergarten. How, I mean, they were the opposite, whatever you want to call that these days. <clears throat> they weren't young, they were something else. When it started, she was 65 and he was 75. When it ended, he was 100 and she was 90. <clears throat> Do you know anybody close to that age who are thinking about having their first child. And, that, and yeah, that makes sense. They were happily married. They wanted to have kids. They tried to have kids for years. Like people who are that age, they assume, I guess that chapter of life is closed. That's their perception. And we all know, because we're human beings too, perception is powerful. We said, hey, just... You know, God just told us, hey, run through that wall. You think I'm crazy because it's a wall. Yet there's people in the Bible that, you know, they just kind of, you know, went through walls. But that's not our perception. Abraham and Sarah, they did believe in God. God was real. They liked God. They had real lives. They had faith. They appreciated God. But they had a brain. And God can only grow us, and God can only grow them at the rate and at the pace that we're willing to say yes. Man, sometimes they 
grew slow. They, Abraham and Sarah, they were the power couple for the world. And they were slow. They were slow. <coughs> they were getting advanced in age. God says, man, I'm going to do something awesome. I'd like some more details. That sounds good. That sounds, well, give me some more details. Hey, I'll be back in a few years. Big things are happening. Big things are happening. I'm coming back in a few years. He comes back in a few years. Man, I see a good future. I see a good future for Crosswalk. I'm coming back in 11 years. This was slow for Abraham and Sarah. Their perception was, hey, we believe God. If God says it, man, God can do it. But I'm not 100% sure what he's saying here. But it, it's looking good. And then he comes back and says, hey, this is, it's, it's a little closer than you think. And so they're like, okay, okay. Eleazar, I mean, he's, he's like family. I mean, he's, you know, he's almost, he's almost family. I mean, this, I get it, I get it. He's been my right-hand man. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. It looks good to us. This makes sense. This makes sense. Yes. God's like, No. No, no, it's coming from you, Abraham. He's now 86. Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham believed God. And he said, okay, God, I, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, but if you said it, I'll believe you. I don't know how you're going to pull this all off, <coughs> but I believe you. I believe, help me, as a as person in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9 says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe you. I don't know how you're going to make it happen from here to there, but if you say it, then okay. And Sarah, this wasn't a man's idea. <coughs> Sarah, being a godly woman who liked the Lord, who followed the Lord, who's in Hebrews chapter 11 as an amazing woman who loved God, believed God, had faith in God, followed God to the best of her ability. In Genesis, she came up with a plan. She said, man, if you look at the whole, the whole plan, it's quite clear after you get halfway through it near the end, it's like she never liked the idea. But her perception... She was surrounded by culture, just like we are. We're surrounded by culture. In their culture, in their culture, they had this unique custom. And because she's so advanced in age, and God said, it's, it's got to happen with Abraham. God didn't say anything about Sarah yet, but God said something about Abraham. And they're both looking at the outward appearance and thinking, man, I don't... Man, I mean, God said this, but I don't understand that. It's like, so Sarah connected some dots in her own mind that she wasn't supposed to. She didn't even like connecting them. But that's what the culture did. And in her perception, she didn't understand how else it could happen because she still wasn't realizing God could go through walls and do anything. So I imagine one of the lowest parts of her life she was interpreting. She was assuming, man, I, 
<laughs> I didn't think this is the kind of stuff God thought was a good idea, but everybody in culture is doing it, so maybe this was God's plan. So Sarah introduced Hagar. And as an example of what happens when we wing it, even doing our best, we now have all these thousands of years of fighting in the Middle East where we have the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac who are, have been fighting ever since Abraham and Sarah had this idea. They believed. It's all over the Bible. They believed. That didn't mean that their faith was perfect or finished or complete. That didn't mean God gave them every single answer at the beginning of their life. God filled in a few blanks when they were 100 and when she was 90. Most human beings today don't even make it past 80. I think that's the average age, 80-ish. They didn't even get those details until he was 100 and she was 90. And you know what God said about them? They believe. They believe me. We could look on the outside. We could have been their servant. We could have been the neighbor. We could have said... What are they doing? I can't believe. Look at what's. And we'd have to be reminded by the Holy Spirit, 1 Samuel 16, 7. God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the heart. Abraham and Sarah, if they could do a redo, I think they would probably have several. If somebody wrote all the unique things that you've done or said, I imagine you and I'd like some redos too, huh? But according to Scripture, God says, yeah, but I, I know their life on the outside looks like quite a roller coaster. But they believed. Their, their life reminds me of a lot of things. Their life reminds me that sometimes people are slow. Sometimes people are slow to learn God's lessons. Their life reminds me that sometimes faith looks messy. And their life reminds me that sometimes faith takes time. Sometimes faith takes time for others to see what's happening in here. To think of other people, Peter looked messy. Judas looked good. But God could discern the difference in their heart, in their mind, in their spirit. Some people thought, man, that King Saul, he just looks like a... Per man, we, our first king, that's a home run. I mean, he looks tall, he looks handsome. We got this one right. Abraham and Sarah, their life reminds me that God is understanding, God is patient, God is loving. 
Abraham and Sarah's life reminds me that God can do anything. If God wants you to be in heaven, and the Bible talks more about that than he does Abraham and Sarah, if God wants you to be in heaven, according to Romans 8, nothing, and I mean nothing, can stop that except us getting in the way and telling God no. How's your faith today? Abraham and Sarah were messy. So was Isaac, and so was Jacob. So was David. So was Samson. So was Peter and Paul and Moses and Adam and Eve and Noah. People in the scriptures weren't held up on high because their life was perfect. Their life was held up because they believed. Getting to heaven and growing isn't about being perfect. That'll happen in heaven, and wow, what a, what a gift that'll be. Our part is to believe and to focus on the one that is perfect. And as we do that, he has this way of rubbing off on us that we can't explain. And wouldn't you know, our behavior improves just by simply trusting, believing, appreciating him. Romans 4, Romans 4, verse 19 and following. Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, because he was 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, because she was 90. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured. Man, does that give you hope? <laughs> what, a, what a low standard. there's hope for us. Being fully assured, and we just had an overview of Abraham and Sarah, what being fully assured looks like. Maybe not the picture we had in mind. Being fully assured that what God had promised, He was able to perform. Therefore, it was credited to Him as righteousness. Now, Verse 23, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, Paul gets to his point, therefore, having been justified by faith, by believing in God, we, we 
have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How's your faith? Abraham and Sarah were real people with real lives. Some days were messy. Some days looked better. But they loved God and they had faith in God. They didn't have all the answers just like we don't. But what they had by faith, they held on. And they trusted God. Life can be a little messy. It didn't always look righteous on the outside for them. It didn't always look amazing on the outside. Abraham and Sarah were not into cheap grace. Abraham and Sarah, when you look at their whole life and you read Hebrews and you read Romans and you read Genesis, they were not looking for the exit door to get into mischief and they're, woohoo, let's get crazy. Abraham and Sarah weren't trying to do that. That wasn't Sarah's plan. They weren't into cheap grace. They were people who believed God. But life can be challenging. It can be complicated. For them and for us. That's why the Holy Spirit gave this to the Apostle Paul and said, write it down. It's for other people to read through history because sometimes our life actually looks like Abraham and Sarah. Not the, not the, not the little, you know, kid's time story when we're like, you know, tell, woo, yeah, it was amazing. But when we read the other part of their life, when we read about Hagar and we read about the the social mingling and the the sister and all those other real moments that we have. We think, man, what was I? Oh, man, I wish I could erase that last week. Keep your focus on Jesus. The author and perfecter of your faith. Jesus gave us faith. He can mature it. He can grow it. He can complete it. Abraham and Sarah weren't finished products at 100 years old. It would be naive and inconsistent to assume that just because we are who we are, you and I would be finished products. The finish line is heaven. And this isn't heaven. God is not being hard on you, so please do not be hard on yourself. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does He want you to grow? Yes. God wants everybody to grow as quickly and cleanly as possible. But Jesus came and died at the cross because he knew that human beings are really bad at that. And as Paul writes in Romans 4, 5, to the one who doesn't work but believes in him, who justifies 
the ungodly. As you continue to read Paul, he's quite clear he's not looking for us to get into trouble. We already have plenty. But it is encouraging to know it's quite easy to meet those standards. It's pretty easy to meet those standards. Amen? God justifies the ungodly. Our part is like our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, or well, them too, but also Abraham and Sarah. Our part is to believe. So my hope and my prayer is that you continue to be people in this world that do what God wants, as Jesus himself said in John 6, 28 and 29. Do the work of God. Believe in Jesus. And Jesus will continue to grow you and do the impossible, just like he did with Abraham and Sarah. God can do impossible things in us and through us. Our part is to continue to believe that God can do the impossible. If the singers now come forward, we'll sing our closing song and then we'll conclude with prayer.